Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. I feel like he's given me the okay to, to move on to the word part. <laughs> really wanted to wait for him to tell me that was okay, though. It is extremely, extremely an honor to be up here in front of y'all today. Um, and uh, I don't know, I, I think I've been back into the Christian walk. I grew up in, in church most of my life um, in all different denominations. I've seen quite a few different versions of worship and and uh, but I, the, I, I walked away from it for a long time, and probably roughly around ten years ago, I gave my heart back over to the Lord. And so from that point, <laughs> from that point, I've been learning through the Word of God. I've been letting the Word of God convict my heart, not my circumstances, but the Word of God. And I study that thing, and I come across the scripture, I use it all the time. I study it not to preach in front of you guys. I study it so that it become my life, and I can show myself approved through my actions and how I live my life. And, it's, and to me, that's the fight. As many times as I've gotten knocked down, the Holy Spirit comes and helps me back up. And the hard part is... Sometimes you happen to fall in front of other brothers and Christian, other brothers and sisters in Christ, and even our brothers and sisters may not even judge us that hard. We judge ourselves harder, and a lot of times we tend to put that blame of judgment on each other. So as I as I open up with all this, this is all sort of an experience of mine that I want to share with you. It's things that I've walked through and uh, I've learned at a heavy price in some of them. Some of them I learned a little easier, but a lot of these I have learned very harshly, very hard, and majority of it I look back on where I'm at now and I realize I was my worst critic. It wasn't God, it wasn't God's people, it was my own thought process. And Pastor Becky even talked about that scripture. I mean, it, it just excited me and wanted me to get up here even sooner when she said that. When she said, our war is not against flesh and blood, it's against principalities. Thoughts that are trying to overtake you and mold you and shape you into what the enemy wants you to be. It has nothing to do with the word when you get into those thoughts. And the word is how you overcome. The word is how you transform your mind and renew it by reading the word, hearing the word, understanding, okay, so we have been born of this thing in Adam and we got to quit blaming God for giving us all these emotions that we just happened to grow up in. Now, he did give us emotions, but not the emotions I think most of us grew up with. in. Most of these emotions comes from the fall, and we, we, we rationalize through emotions, and these emotions are normally driven by need. So when you're in need of something, 
it's very easy to get stuck in the uh, the rut of self. And what does he say if you want to be a follower of his? You have to first deny yourself. He doesn't say the devil. He doesn't say your spouse. He says yourself. So I understand a lot of this is our self that's holding us back. Um, and here's how, how encouraged I am today to stay on page. I actually took notes. And I so want to adhere to these um, to a certain degree. As you can see, I'm very inexperienced on this one. All right. So I do want to encourage you guys again um, that, you know, the Bible talks about not forsaking the assembly of, each other, of, of what we're doing here. And that means, one, don't stay at home. Now, when I, I have dug into this a little bit, and really what he was talking about when he wrote this to the church, this was when the church was being persecuted in the roughest hour of the church so far. They were getting killed, martyred, and he goes, hey, your power is together, and do not forsake it. So realize that like he was talking to, to people that were afraid, and we just sang that uh, Jesus makes, uh, yeah, fear. I, yeah, the fear, and there was something about fear up there, and it's not coming to me. And uh, so, so to me, why do we gather? We, sometimes, I, as I sat in church, um, I would feel like I was getting kind of my, my Christian duty today when I would sit and listen. And what he slowly showed me is I was sitting in a church seat or pew, wherever I had been, to qualify which takes me out of the understanding and the truth that I'm already qualified. So we don't gather to qualify, we already are. We gather to stir each other up to love and good works. So it's, it's staying stirred in this moment, realizing that like you're not alone in this, that we're one body becoming one flesh, and if you look in the Word, it talks about how God breathed life into the dirt and it became a, a physical living being. That's the exact same thing He wants to do through all of us together. Is he wants to breathe His life through us and His anointed power and everything come through us. It says the Word of God is not of talk, but of power. It's not just crazy words that we're just trying to maybe see that'll work. It's believing that what he said is truth and nothing but the truth, 100%. So some things that I will share, and it's more of my conviction, and I'm not trying to bring conviction on you guys. I'm just, again, I'm trying to, sorry, I need a drink. Um, I'm trying to share my experiences and my lessons at a discounted price so you don't have to learn it as heavy as I did. Thank you for the grace. Um, <clears throat> now, I'm going to try not to get too, it seems very loud in here, like very quiet out there. And my heart is just like, <laughs> um, so I'm going to try to remain calm so I can get this out. <laughs> 
in a, a decent manner for you guys to run well. That's what I want. I want you guys to stay stirred and run this race like your life depends on it, because it does. Your soul, your every fiber of being depends on him and his word. And uh, so, so again, so things that I went through um, that just kind of held me back. I, I remember coming into kind of church, and uh, I've, I've always been somewhat of a class clown. The, uh, I always, like, I don't even know if there was ever one classroom in middle school that I didn't have my own desk in the back cubicle, and I had to sit in the back with my back turned ter- towards everybody, and my teachers would tell me if I was just quiet all day, they'd give me an A. And that's how I passed. And uh, I used to get told all the time that, you know, I can't learn anything. I feel sorry for your family. Um, my, my dad even heard it, you know. Um, they brought them in, tried to put me on all these drugs and stuff because they didn't know how to handle me. And all this time, I finally come to the Word of God, and I realize I'm not an idiot. I realize that uh, I can learn things, and I can learn them at an alarming rate with his help. Like I, so what the enemy tried to declare over me when I was younger, he then formed it in, into me, like, I'm me. So, like, I know I still have flaws and stuff like that that he's working out in me, but, like, where I've came from is miraculous, and if I could tell you all my stories, I, th- I think I could convince you the same thing. But see, we all have these stories. It's not about me. It's about him. And we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Why? Because we did not love our life unto death. We didn't love this life so much that we got caught up into the he said, she said, tit for tats, and I'm going to show you and I feel It is a life laid down. Life laid down for another brother. Life, living sacrifice for the Lord to breathe into us. The word says he is the firstborn among many. Why would it say that if it wasn't true? But can you truly see your own identity in the many? Can you see yourself as a true brother of Christ? Because he says, hey, if you abide in me, you ought walk like me. Be holy as he is holy. Matthew 5, 48 says, be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. Complete, needing nothing but him. It's that serious. I was talking to my brother-in-law yesterday about, I think I did it when we were in the barn. And I, I made kind of like a, I don't know if I actually made it. I thought about making it, but a voucher for heaven. So you think of a coupon. There's normally big writing and little writing disclaimers on the bottom, right? Well, when we get our salvation voucher, what I've seen over time in the body of Christ as a whole across the globe, at least in the sense of Michigan, that's pretty much where I'm from, so I know in this part of the country, (laughs) what I see most of the time is we cross out the big writing and we make our own big writing and we say, ticket to heaven. When in reality, the ticket to heaven is in the small fine print at the bottom. It's part of it. It's on the voucher, I promise. But if I could say anything that is the big writing on our voucher, it says child of God. That is our promise. We've inherited this stuff, not because we've done anything right. 
And the Bible shows us how much we've missed it and how much we need a Savior. But then we stop if it's just a good ticket to heaven because, awesome, I got my ticket. I'm safe. I can live how I want. And that's not the case, at least, in, again, this is my walk that I'm sharing at this point with Scripture. Um, so in my life, I could, I could easily go back to all the things, and I'm so glad that he's so merciful and he hung with me and didn't let me get so prideful. There was a long time I chased after this thing, and that could have got so ugly if he would not have helped me through it and understand why I'm standing in front of you guys today. Otherwise, after service, I would need a pat on the back, and one day I just wouldn't do that good. And then now I'm letting you guys be Lord of my life, and I'm only doing as good as you guys treat me in it. It's not about if I do a good job up here anymore. He's with me. I'm not afraid to fail anymore. Like, he's got me in the palm of his hands, and you think I'm worried about how it looks. I'm just not anymore. I am so stirred and ready to charge everybody I possibly can stand in front of with the same identity I had put on. He says, put all the old stuff off and put on the new. You're a new creation in God. And, it, and it's to a point where I try not to be so overbearing in it sometimes, but the passion that, that he rises up in me, it's not even my own passion. That's what's awesome about it. Like, if we went back 11 years ago, I did not want to be in the church, let alone on a microphone. I didn't want to know what the Word of God said because it hurt my feelings half the time, and good for them people. Now, I never really did dishonor people of God. I, I, I had enough sense, I guess, in that to not treat anybody with disrespect in that sense, but, but going through all the, I guess, the things that I guess I've been through in my own life, through church and everything, I see so much grace on, on everything that he's taken me through. Like, I remember feeling important one day. I think we, I was actually serving with them in uh, youth, and I remember feeling like I was important by doing that. Like somebody asked me, you know, what are you doing with your life now? And I'd tell them, and they'd be like, man, that's so awesome to see where you come from. And I would take credit for it. The problem is, is, it, is those are good for us, okay? Like it's good to be complimented. The problem is, is do we hold on to that compliment? Because he finally showed me one day, Daryl, that wasn't a compliment for you. It was a compliment for me. So now I understand if somebody gives me a compliment, it's the Lord's. And I'm just happy to be a partaker in it. I just get to be that lucky. He loves us that much that you can do everything wrong, and he still goes, you know what? I'm not going to share my glory with no man, but if you just listen to me, I'll let you see it. I'll let you be a part of it. And it's so much greater to do that because what's the point in breathing and living here for yourself? We do all this for self. At least I did. Let's say it this way. I did all that for self and still hated where I was. But I'd get glimpses to make me feel good. And then I'd need some more and more. And then all of a sudden it wouldn't be there. So then everybody hates me. And what am I even doing here? And what's the point? (laughs) And I hate that I ever got to that part that I let circumstances in life mold me and shape me and how I was doing. But I start getting in the Bible and I learn that 
there's scriptures about the great potter. He talks about how he can make bowls and fine china out of the same block of clay that he puts in a garbage can. But the main meaning is, like, you don't even know, like, what he, why he made it that way. So why don't you sit down instead of judging everything you see and try to understand your own identity in that? So he slows us enough down to where it's no longer selfish to look at yourself first. Because he says, love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love your neighbor if you don't love yourself. And how he'll show you that is through your flaws, through your chasing. Why are you chasing stuff that's out of him is because you don't know and you don't love anything yet. You have not found a real reason for loving yourself. So you chase all these things. The Bible says nobody comes to him unless he first calls them. And he loves us first. And the more we see his love on us, the more we love him. That's just how it works. I've been in many prayer rooms by myself and with people, and I hear that. And, and he'll, he'll tell me things, and I'm like, Lord, I just love you so much. He's like, yeah, that's the point. And he just loves on you more. And I'm like, well, I just love you more. And he's like, that's the point, dude. Let's just keep this going. And now show everybody else that too. Because I want everybody to know what they were made for. I want everybody to never question their identity again. And I'm going to, I love them so much that they can't see it that I'm going to send my word in flesh form as my son to walk it out. And then I'm going to tell everybody to follow him. Do you think he, him and Jesus said, hey, follow me? And then they're up in heaven laughing, going, <laughs> they think we're for real. You can't follow me. No, he gives us the ability to do it. Galatians, I do believe it is. I've heard it quoted up here a few times as, um, he gives everything we need to live a godly life. All we got to do is trust him, believe it. Um, sorry, I'm not used to notes, so give me a second here. So that, that's kind of where I was getting is, is we got to be careful with feelings. We got to be careful if we're being driven by feelings and need. Because it's not feelings that set us free, it's truth. So sometimes we don't feel good, and we correlate that with not being good. But the Word says you are good. Just think of it this way. God put everything in other than people by His Word, and then He followed it up with, it is good. So if He dubs something over us, we should probably consider that good. Why don't we be the voice that says, and it's good? God made me, and he is good. Why? Because he made me that way. It's just that simple. It's nothing I can do to establish it anymore. But the more and more I learn about it, the more good comes out of me. Because this is one thing that I've learned, too, in my walk, is we get so focused on fruit that we forget the whole scripture was about the tree. So it's, it's, it's becoming... It's, it's knowing our identity is established in, a, in the right tree. I think about it this way. I got blueberries uh, at my property. There's probably 200 bushes of blueberries, and they were, I bet, 15 foot tall when we got there, and they had these very, very tiny little blueberries, and there's briars all in them, and I mean, I could preach about this for days, so I'm going to try to get to the main point that I'm going to make. 
Lord help me. Um, <laughs> and uh, so I finally go out there, and I, I trim like half of them, I mean, to about this high. And a lot of them just had these ginormous, uh, like, branches off of them. And so the first year, we got a little bit off of them. And this year, and I'm talking blueberries that were very, very tiny. It almost felt like you were eating a seed because it was even crunchy inside. And then we went out there this summer, and uh, I haven't done anything else to them, but we went out there, and Katie picked one and put it in it over, it was over a bottle cap size. So my point is, is we got to be careful with what we're waiting for and trying to get big fruit without the investment of the walk, the process, and all the stuff that comes with it. He's teaching us how to know him. If we get too good of fruit, I think, I could be wrong on this because he does everybody a little bit different, but in my walk, let me say it that way, in my walk, if he would have gave me too big of fruit too, at, at the too early of a time, I would have chased the fruit. And then one season when the fruit wasn't as big, I would go, great, am I even a Christian? But he didn't do that. But here's another point. As I, I did some research on blueberries, and then over time you just kind of see other trees the same way. Like apples, pears, and blueberry bushes, uh, sometimes they can take from three to five years to produce any fruit. Any fruit. If you're looking for fruit, your identity is going to change. But if you know your identity, no matter if you got good fruit, abundance of fruit or not, you know your identity. Like, my point is, just because a blueberry bush is not producing blueberries, it doesn't lose its identity as a blueberry bush. It's time to know our identity so much that we can't be wavered and moved like a, a ship tossed in the waves. I mean, there's a reason the Word of God can be so relevant today as it was when it was first written is because there's true power in it. It's not, a, it's not a love story in the sense of uh, Hollywood. It's a agape love story, a love like you've never witnessed until I sent my son. It's no longer getting stuck in the he said, she said, and I'm only doing as good as you are treating me. I didn't wake up for you guys to treat me well. Is it nice if you do? Yes, I agree. But I didn't wake up this morning to, for my wife to treat me well. I woke up to love her. In and out of season, who am I? Is she molding and shaping me? Or is I, am I letting God shape my heart? Am I loving her through things? Am I doing what the Bible said in the sense of I wash my... See, it's so hard for me not to go into the scriptures. <laughs> The Bible talks about in that, that scripture, it says that wives submit to your husbands. And we all choke that one down, even as husbands, I think we choke it down. Sometimes we use it, too, for our advantage. But for the most time, we choke that down because if she's got to submit to me, that means I can't be a lazy man on the couch anymore. Because obviously, I have to be some kind of direction for my family. Men have a hard time with that. I don't, I don't mean to give all our our faults out there, but I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only man that struggled with that. But then as I would read that, I would realize we get stuck on wives submit to your husbands, and there's a ginormous passage after it. 
about what the husband's to do. You know how easy it would be for our wives to submit to us if we were actually living that way? It's not easy. But again, these are my convictions I'm sharing with you, and if they help you run well, let it help you. Oh, Lord. (laughs) So, uh, another thing that uh, he's been kind of showing me um, is one of the things that I never really paid much attention to was the fruits of the Holy Spirit. I got so in love with him that, like, I just, I've been hanging hard in that love thing. And now I feel like in my season of life, he's, he's kind of expanding my mind to kind of flow in different realms and add all this together because I see in part what I want to see in all of it. I just do, and I know one day I will, so I'm still chasing after it as if it can happen here. Um, but in uh, Proverbs, I actually look this one up. In Proverbs 25, 28, this one hit me really hard. It says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. Basically letting the enemy come and plunder you at his will. If you do not have self-control, everything I just talked about will be at the mercy of what the devil feels like doing to you. Because the, the, the scriptures say that the devil is like a roaring lion looking for who he may devour, not who he can, who he may devour. And to me, the scripture says it right here. Is everybody without self-control, he's just going to lay it on you, temptation after temptation after temptation. And he can come right into your village and speak right to your heart. That's why it says, guard your heart with all diligence. How much? All of it. All the diligence that you can muster, and then when you fall short, put it on the Lord. And it says, where we're weak, he's strong, and his strength is made perfect. So we're not walking it alone anymore. So I'm not just fortifying my heart out of my own flesh. Check this out. This, he, he gave this to me in the shower. Uh, just... You know, and it just, boom, laid it on me like, it's not like he went line for line and told me. He just gave me a revelation and it just happened to be in my knowing now. It was just so impactful to me, though. But let's talk about Samson. Now, when I watch stories about Samson on, like, TV, he always looks like the Terminator, right? Big old guy. But the Bible says he don't, they did not know where his strength came from. So I'd challenge your theology like mine got challenged. And maybe he was this just tiny, tiny little guy with long hair. Because it says that's where his strength was in his hair. So just think of a tiny little guy. Back in the day when the city gates were, what, probably 15 foot tall or more. And he takes them up, and the Bible says that he takes up the post with them. He throws them on his shoulder, and he carries them over to a hill. Now, what I want to highlight in that is he's this tiny guy strengthened by hair in the flesh. 
We understand how weak our flesh is, right? So God gave him the, the ability to be strong in flesh. You know what he gave us the ability to be strong in? Spirit. So check this out. <laughs> we have strength with the Holy Spirit. His strength. It's not ours. That's why it says in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. Can we rely on his strength? And then you think about it, the Bible talks about how we're a light, a city on a hill. And Ken just talked about it. Uh, what do you say? Enlarging our territory, right? This is in the message. It's so good. That's why I was like, ah. But, <laughs> but you think about it. We're a city on a hill, and we have Holy Spirit strength. And we've already been told that somebody has opened up and lifted up gates and carried them off. And he's telling us to expand our borders. Why don't we be some border pushers? Pick up the gates to our own city, his city. And as we go, we just start occupying everything and going, everything in this space is yours, Lord. Everything in this space is yours, Lord. Being so filled with the Spirit that we're not even worried about weakness. We're so focused on his power. <laughs> That my weakness is made so little. But like Samson, his strength got cut off. And I believe through this week and learning all this stuff is if we do not apply self-control to our lives, that cuts off the Holy Spirit's strength in us. Because he can plunder us at any moment. In Galatians 5, 23, it says, Be fruit, or, but the fruit of, of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So he's equipped you with it. It's not even something that he's asking that he hasn't already made the way for. But it's, it's time that we get our self-control over to the Lord and let him control us. Not as pawns, but as lovers of his word, lovers of who he is, lovers of everything that he asks us to do. Because I'll tell you, if you do not love him like that, when you get a call to go help somebody in the middle of the night, it's going to be a burden. And it's not a burden. He didn't call us to be burdened by this stuff. He calls us to love people. And if we lose sight of that, then we start walking in our own strength and we can't even control what we say anymore when we get there because we're so irritated. It's about love fulfilling our hearts so much and allowing him to be the molder and the potter of our lives. And, and kind of even back to the border part, you know, what was the, the command that he placed over us on the garden? He said, be fruitful and multiply expand, keep going. And then what was the, the, the great commission? Go preach the good news to the ends of the earth. Keep those territories going. But if we can only barely drag our own territory, it's going to be hard to help others. So 
So all that heaviness to get to this, it's time to arise and shine. It's time to be who he's called us to be. He said it's finished. So it's no longer fighting who's important, who's not. He gets to choose where he places us. The problem is, is our head goes, well, that position's more important and I feel called to that. But what if you're not called to that yet? You have to be okay with where he's called you now. That's why he says, stay where you're called. When you're called, stay right there in all that. And he'll, he'll move mountains out of your way. He'll do all this stuff for you. It says, if you seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, all the little things will be added. But if you seek like the fruit, if you seek all the little things, then it's going to be extremely hard to put him and his righteousness in you. I learned this a while back about righteousness. Because it's a call to righteousness. And uh, I asked them, you know, for quite a while, you know, what? It, I don't really understand what righteousness is. This, excuse me. <laughs> it's just like flew out. Uh, wasn't even ready for it. Um, <laughs> see, I'm telling you, my heart is pumping, and it's like, get out. <laughs> but, uh, oh, no, where was I? Um, oh, righteousness. So, Lord, help me. So he showed me throughout the years of what I've seen in myself and my brothers and sisters in, in a lot of where we were. Um, and he said, most of my church at this moment in time live in rightness, not righteousness. And then he was talking to me, so it wasn't like he was exploiting everybody around me. He was exploiting my heart. He said, they live in rightness. They, you guys... Read my word enough to know what I say about it, but not enough to be able to do it. And not enough to do it to where it is who you are in a place you live from. So I go, okay, that still doesn't answer what righteousness means. He said, rightness points out the wrongs. Righteousness fixes them. And he said that he clothes us with a robe of righteousness. He's fixing everything about us. He's going through the body of Christ, and he's allowing us to be partakers of fixing things. But not before we get our identity in him, because if we can't fix an issue, don't let that become your issue. My buddy Ty White says it this way. He has canceled our lifetime subscription to issues. We don't have issues anymore. He is our answer. And it's time that we live from this place. So, I always used to say, Lord, I'd come to this point through everything I've just shared to you because I've preached this message to my heart a hundred times over in my, in my shower, in my, wherever I go, this is what speaks to my heart. And I would always get there and go, okay, Lord, that sounds good and all, but why and how is it not happening? Because if you're that good, you're that powerful, 
And you tell me that it's no longer on my works and my efforts that I'm going to be saved by, but you're going to produce good fruit out of me because I'm just a part of your tree. So here I am 10 years into it, and my sin's louder than ever. And he showed me, he said, well, your sin is a whole lot smaller. You just have a conscience to it now. You used to not care, so you used to be so reckless it never bothered you until the right moment hit. And conviction would turn up. He said, so I like that your conviction is turn up. Keep that up. But don't take it personal. That's what I want away from you. So thank me for the Holy Spirit that I'm showing you. That's something I want out of you. So now it's no longer condemnation in this point. It's thank you, Lord. I'd be so lost. I'd be down that nasty path down there if you wouldn't have told me that. It's not always easy. Because some of these things that are part of us are tough to give up. I'm honest with you. And I remember actually even one day, so I used to dip. He took that away. I used to look at pornography. He took that away. I had all this heavy stuff on me that I would pray to him. Lord, I remember the pornography thing. We were in youth group. And my heart would get up there, and I'd tell these people to be pure, all these teenagers to be pure. And I'd go home, and I'd go, but Lord, like, why not me? I want to be pure. I don't want to just be a hypocrite talking about being pure. You called me to it. So help me. Please help me. And I stumbled on that scripture that says, study the word to show yourself approved. Not preach it. I said, okay. So I I told him. I, I think I even may have talked to you guys maybe a little bit about it. I know I talked to my wife about it, and I was crumbling her. Because here my heart's pure, I don't want it. And she hears that I'm just looking at it. Which is not a fault on her. What I'm saying is I'm sitting here, I don't want it no more. And I need accountability to it. But you see how the devil goes roaring. All right, you want to get rid of it, but I'm going to make sure it still makes an impact on somebody. And I hate that he's does that stuff, but I didn't see it then. Now I see it, and that's why I share it with you guys. When you see it, call it dead. If you, if you can call things to life, I guarantee you can call them dead. It's time to speak death to the things that we need to speak death to. You don't need to sit here and let it linger anymore, and it's a process. Get off of me in Jesus' name. I'm so tired of living like this. And I promise you, the Holy Spirit will go, I love it. (laughs) And just let your life so shine. And it didn't come. And and I remember sitting there one day after he took all this stuff from me, right? He took it. I prayed for him, take it, take it, take it. And one day I was so so in pride that I go, here I am, Lord. Oh, it was nasty. I'm going to do my best because I want it to sound silly anymore. But I'm over there, just so self-centered. Lord, here I am. I'm giving all this stuff up for you. And he knocked me. (laughs) If the Holy Spirit could punch, he punched me that day right in the heart. And it stopped me right in my tracks. And he said, you gave it up? Don't you remember praying for me to take that? He said, do you want it back? No, no, Lord. (laughs) But you know what he was doing? He said, Daryl, you still got too much pride there. Remember who I am. 
Don't take credit. Don't set yourself in the role that I played in your life. You're not the Lord of your life. And that's the thing we have to be careful. I I looked up Lord, and it means governing factor. And if I let Ken say something to me and hurt me, I'm making him Lord of my life. He's shaping and molding me. And 10 years later of unforgiveness, he might as well just sign his name at the bottom of who I am because he's made me. And as heavy as that is, I just want to make it sound so foolish that we don't get stuck in it anymore. The devil has eaten our lunch long enough. And here's the thing is God's not calling us to something he did not originally create with us in the first place. He's calling us back to it, to have dominion over all this. And we sit here and we go, Lord, 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 why not? Why this? Why this? Why this? And he's like, I've given you the keys to do that. But if you don't know me, you're going to blame me. It's my fault. When I've given you everything you've ever actually really wanted or desired, from the beginning you just lost sight of it. And that's why you chase things to try to be Lord over it. You're not me. I've created you in my image to run and govern this place, this whole earth, like I run heaven. Here's the keys. Son, daughter. So I'll even share this story. So Jesus says things, right? His word speaks to us. He says things. Jesus was so confident in what he said that one day he goes, Let's get in the boat. We're going to the other side. He was so sure of it, he fell asleep. Like not, to my understanding, not a little bit because it got rough out there on the seas and he was still asleep. So he passed out cold. I don't think he was sleeping with one eye open. I hope the disciples depend on me in this. He's out because he said what he said. And the disciples are frantic. While all this is going on against him, and this is basically what they're saying. I know he said that, But if he's seen what was happening now, I think he'd change his mind. The cool thing about God is he does not change his mind. He says what he says for a reason, and it's written in a Bible form, and it's written on our hearts. That's why when the word goes forth, your heart jumps up, and you say amen because you resonate with it. It's there. It's alive. It's sharper than a two-edged sword separating bone from marrow and soul from spirit. It's showing you who you are, not who you were trained to be. Who you are. And Jesus, <laughs> in all that chaos, gets woke up. And I know he was not happy, because if you read the words next, he was not nice. We could say he wasn't loving to our knowledge of love but I would say that he could not not love because he is love, says God is love. So sometimes a tough word is still love. So he gets up and he rebukes his disciples and everything in the atmosphere. Everything around him went, hold on, the creator of everything needs our attention. And he rebuked it all, the wind stopped, and they're like, who is this man? Which shows they don't know him. But the point I really want to make here today is when God says something, 
Don't run frantically. Don't get caught up in the circumstance and what's going on and think God would change his mind. Don't get caught up in what you're doing so much that you let that become your identity again when you've been called out of it, out of the darkness and into the light. Darkness things are going to be exposed in our lives for the simple reason, like Ken said, for it to flee. I see you. I see it. I see it. I see it. God, thank you for your light. You showed it. I'm done with it. And repentance doesn't mean I'm sorry. It means I'm done and I'm not even looking back. I'm putting my hands to the plow and we're not looking back like Lot's wife. We're in this thing. We're not pillars of salt. We're, we're flesh with ruach in us, which is the breath of God. Think of it this way. In the beginning, God made man and breathed into him. We lose that breath, and it says that we now are dead. Now, Adam and Eve lived on for a pretty long time, I think, after that, from my understandings of the Scripture, so they didn't die in that form, but they died in a spiritual form. Jesus comes back, restores it all, comes back, walks into a room, and what does he do to the disciples? He breathes on them. You get it back. So when you talk now, Ken talked about it. When you talk now, your words have importance and weight to them. Why? Because he created us like him. He, brought, he, he made all the animals and he said, Adam, Adam, I want to show you how much I created you like me. I want you to name all them animals. Adam names them and it says, and that's what it was. You want to start naming things in your lives, in your kids' lives, in your spouse's lives? Start naming them things, but not in a selfish heart. Because he says, you have not because you ask not, but when you do ask, you ask with wrong motives. Make sure your motives are pure in this thing. And how do we do that? So this is the exciting part for me to share, because this is a part that's very new to the message that I love to talk to myself with all the time. We just happen to be starting a fast on the first, second, third, correct? And this, as you can see, I'm not the greatest faster in the room. <laughs> I like my food. And I've been, oh, how do you say this without it coming as judgment? I've been tricked in the sense of not by people and his people. I've been tricked in doing fasts to be holy. I've been tricked in doing fasts to look spiritual. I've been tricked in doing fasts just because that's what everybody wanted me to do. I'm not sure I've ever really done a wholehearted, a wholehearted fast because I've had my eyes on the wrong prize. I've always had it as he was going to do something for me if I did it. And he just asked us to do it. He doesn't say I'll do anything. I mean, he probably does. I'm going to be careful how I say that. But the motive, that's what I'm more after. Why are we doing fast? To know him. Jesus did it. And here's, here's what's scary. When it shows Jesus fasting, the devil comes in with what? The word of God. The devil knows scripture, what? And he'll use it if you don't know that word. So, 
I'll explain what he, what, he, what he shared with me. So I was in the Marine Corps in the reserves for six years. I did boot camp, my school of training. That was all, I think, like an eight-month span. And in the training, you do a lot of things, a lot of things that seem impossible. And in the Marine Corps, in my experience of it, I remember we would put on our heavy packs, and I mean they're, I think, average 93 pounds. And then you're carrying rifles, you're carrying a bunch of other stuff. So it's quite the load, and if you're not used to backpacking or nothing like that, it's quite an extreme adjustment to have this on your back for 20 miles. And not only, it's not flat land that they take you to, like out here. It's ginormous mountains, like mountains that my head could never wrap my head around because I've never seen them. So when you see them and you look up and you, you can just barely see a crest and then you walk up that and then you look down and there's clouds below you and there's a whole nother tier. <laughs> it was almost impossible in my mind to get to that first tier. And then you get up there and you're like, what? But I remember we would, they would do it as a mind game. I know they do. And they would walk you around this mountain kind of for hours. And you would just kind of look up and go, man, that would suck if they took us up there. And then all of a sudden they set you down and they give you a little glass of juice to give you some electrolytes. And all of a sudden you see that first guy start climbing up that hill and you're going, no way. We're really going to do that? And the whole time they, they just keep messing with your head. Because the whole time you're going, oh, I can't do it, I can't do it. The drill instructors are running circles around you with the same gear, yelling at you. And you can barely even focus on the next step. And I'm talking hurt, hurt. Oh, and, it, and the cool thing is, is eventually, after hours, you would realize you start to descend. And you look back, and you're like, I guess that wasn't so bad. That wasn't so bad. And then years of doing this, you start to look at those mountains and go, not if we're going up them, but when. <laughs> Is my pack on right? Because when you're hiking up hills like that, you want your pack real high. You don't want it around your waist. It will chafe you to death. Is my undergarments tight? Because those will rub you too. All this stuff that starts going through your mind while you're on the journey now, it's not if I'm going through the valley, so to speak, it's when. And am I equipped to do it? And to me, that's where the fasting comes in. It's an equipping tool. Because I look at Jesus when he fasted. 40 days. And here's what's crazy. is He, he gets baptized and the heavens open up and God himself goes, this is my son, who I'm well pleased. I shouldn't even mimic God's voice, but. I feel like it should be deep. But, <laughs> but he dubs his identity over Jesus right there. And what's the first question the devil asks him? If you are the son of God, he challenges that. Right after the Lord himself opened up everything to tell him who he was. And Jesus didn't take the bait, luckily. He gave us a reason to follow him. Because most of us may take that bait. Because, yeah, maybe let's test this theory. If I am a child of God, this should happen. And instead, he says, man should not live on bread alone. 
but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So what's he doing? His flesh is going, listen to me during this fast. Listen to me. And Jesus is going, can't do that because the word says. Then in the next thing, he says, for the scriptures say you can jump off and you won't even. So he comes at him with scripture because he knows Jesus is going to fire back with scripture. So just knowing a scripture isn't enough. And Jesus seen it. That was his flesh. Going, but the word says this, and this will be more comfortable if you just do it this way. Jesus goes, no, I hear you talking flesh. And I'm going to listen to the bread of life. So as we go through this fast this, in the season, it's, no, it's not about just doing a religious good thing. It's, Lord, crucify this flesh and make me one with you. Because I can tell you what the Bible will say if you decide to listen to the flesh. It's in Romans 7. And he says, Paul writes, he says, you see, I love God's law with all my heart. I want to do what's right, but inevitably I do what's wrong. Because I'm listening to the flesh. And then Romans 8 says, and this is a letter, it's not really a chapter. We put chapters and verses in there. The whole letter then goes on to say, but life in the Spirit will give you the tools. And Galatians says, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So it's crucifying our flesh more than fasting. And when you listen to the Gospels, it's always correlated with water baptism right after they preach the good news. So here's the thing that I'll kind of leave you with here is I do believe years and years and years ago, who knows how long ago, there was some holy person with the Holy Spirit guiding them to allow to make a tool to help people get to the Lord. We know this as a prayer to salvation. I think it was an amazing tool. I think we've lost a little bit of the weight that was behind it. It's not about praying a prayer. It's about having the understanding that who I am is not what you want me to be. And it's so clear to me it's not who I want to be anymore. And water baptism comes in like this. So then die to that way and come up a new creation. So the gospel without direct die to self is perversion. You have got to die to yourself. And it's not an easy die sometimes. I remember one time at youth, I don't know if it was real appropriate, but I showed this video of this guy getting shot like 20 times and he would not go down. He was just like, oh, I'm like, that's how we die as Christians. (laughs) Just go down. (laughs) Quit fighting him and let him produce a good work in our lives. And it's all him. He gets all the glory and we get to be partakers in it. Sorry, I got like a lot serious, more serious than I thought. That thing. I just want you guys to run well. I want you guys to stay stirred. Like, 
I've heard it said like this, like, I don't need you guys to run well for me to run well. But I do need you guys to be an army rising up with me. People that will lock arms with me. Expand. Enlarge this territory of his. Advance the kingdom. And it says every evil work is coming against it. But any weapon formed against it shall not prosper. So arise and be of good cheer. For he has overcome the world. (laughs) The evil one comes and he has no part in me. Who lives in you? Christ. Christ in us, the hope of glory. If Christ be in me, he shouldn't have no part in me either. If if we look at Jesus' life and don't see it in his life, it shouldn't be in ours. He's our big brother. You know, you you think about it. I I grew up in like trailer parks and subdivisions and stuff. We had a lot of kids of all different ages. And you'd always hate that dreadful word when you were picking on somebody. I'm going to get my brother. You were like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. That's a big brother. We have a big brother. And we get to call on him. Because if I'm standing in front of somebody, you don't want to listen to me, (laughs) you should have took it easy. Because Christ is in me. And I'm going to let him shine right now. And I'm not here to fight you. I'm here to love you. And I'm telling you, I've loved people enough to know that it it is not an easy thing to take on the other side. That's why we burden ourselves with it because he loves us so much, but we can't tend to produce the same fruit. How do you love me like that, Lord? So we back out of it. But he shows us, he examples it. And you know what? The, there, there's something that I, I, I'm not sure we talk about a whole lot in church. And I think, I think it's a good thing to share it right now. But an apology goes a long way. Not from my heart. But it shows that we can keep pouring. It shows that we can keep loving. When we fall, as leaders even, there's a little bit more on it. It says, don't let everybody become a teacher. You're going to be judged more harshly. That weighs on my heart a lot. And I try to talk myself out of this walk a lot in the sense of being up here. But I cannot deny the identity that he gave me. So it will eat me alive if I don't do what he's called me to do. But if I fall in front of you guys, I'm sorry. Because I promise it's nothing my heart wants. I want to love you So just give me a little grace. Give us all some grace, each other, to be able to get back up again. And give yourself enough grace to apologize to yourself for falling. Lord, help me. So let's end on that. Lord, I ask you, as sometimes this this walk seems up and down, that we not lose sight of why we gather that we not lose sight of why you've called us. 
that our faults and our flaws will not define us. That your word will become who we are. Lord, you, you put flesh around your word and you let that walk out exactly what you wanted him to walk out. And our big brother said, it is finished. And I give you the Holy Spirit to be able to accomplish all that. And all the books on the earth couldn't, couldn't even obtain everything that our big brother did here. But then he goes on and says, even greater works will you guys do. So, Lord, we ask you to keep writing your books of good deeds, of righteousness, fixing all the nastiness of the world through your word, through your people, through your body. And just keep our hearts and our motives pure, Lord. Let us not get caught up in, the, in all the nastiness that the evil one looks for. For our weapons are powerful and mighty in Christ for pulling those goofy arguments that try to come against our lives. That this is who you say that I am. And we stand alone on the word of God. The what? The B-I-B-L-E. Lord, we just thank you for your word. We ask you to establish it in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Well, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.